Hello and welcome to the NDL show. I am Nondu Lahuto, your host, and we're here to do a lot of damage this year. It's 2021, and we've got to start the show on the right note. So before we get into it, this track is called Love Back, an amazing remix by yours truly, Yolophonic. <laughs> If you haven't checked him out, he is at Yolophonic on Insta and Twitter. And he also just released an amazing track with Roho this past weekend. It is titled Asma. It is beautiful and I need you to check it out when you do have time. As for the song that just played and started off the show in our year, it is called Love Back. An amazing remix that Yolo did late last year. So really, I encourage you to check him out on SoundCloud. I will leave the link in the show notes. Now, a happy new year before we start with the show, right? I hope that you've been transitioning well into the show. I, for one, am a graduate. I'm a VITS graduate. Yes, yes. And I have to admit that it's been quite tough, especially considering how I'm doing my honours this year, which is a hectic course. I had to contemplate whether I'd be able to continue with the show, honestly. And at some point, I had made peace with the fact that, you know what? Maybe the NDL show might not come back. But you know the beauty of having something that's your own, something that speaks to your personhood, who you are? That's what the show does for me. You know, I find that there aren't enough places where I can listen to local music, where I can find these underground artists, the talent in this country, right? So this show really just helps me extend my personhood. So, hey, listen, there might be times when I might not be able to release episodes all the time, but trust me when I say that the NDL show will be here to keep you company. And if you are hearing my voice for the first time, I am Nondula Hutzel. This is the NDL show. It is a podcast that celebrates local art and music alongside pivotal conversations just to help us navigate, you know, while we've set the scene with amazing local underground music as well. So, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for trusting me with your time and trust that I will not disappoint you. So really, in this year, may you actualize everything that you want to do. May you learn to adapt to the way that the world evolves and just become great, man. Know that we're going to be so much more active as a show. We want you to be able to hit us up on a random day, just a random day, so that we can talk. So don't be shy. 
Now, we've got a lot lined up of which you will come to know as the show goes on. So do follow the show on our socials at The NDL Show. You are also more than welcome to follow me at NDL underscore as well as the producer of the show at Tulani Sejo. You can stream the show on our website on theNDLshow.co.za where you can subscribe, comment and donate through PayPal. We are also live on Control Magazine on controlmg.com. For those who do not know, Control Magazine is an amazing online platform that is capturing a lot of local content so i encourage you to check that out as well there is so much to see shout out to prince and billu who are doing amazing on the platform you can also catch some of our episodes on the restville website on restville.co.za don't worry about the spelling or anything i will leave these particularities in the show notes Listen, we're also selling show merch at the price of 150 excluding delivery fee as well. You'll be able to find samples on our social media. Simply place your order by DMing us. Orders are confirmed by payment. Now, as mandatory, there's a lot of issues that you and I need to talk about. You know, we've got a lot to talk about. So without wasting your time, do stay tuned. up on episode 31 on the NDL show, we talk cutting off friends who are not progressing, deadbeat fathers, corrupt government officials, voter person and the TRC in our commentary and in our main segment, we go into healing the wounds of trauma through TRA with wellness practitioner Claire Gemmel. All of this coming up, stay tuned. Joining us as a guest co-host for our commentary today is podcaster and founder of Daring Media, Tsepo Manje. If you do not know, Daring Media is an amazing umbrella that produces a number of podcasts which include the Daring Greatly podcast, the Debrief podcast ZA, as well as Earth Tones podcast. Now, I encourage you to check these podcasts out if you want to, you know, hear some difference, some change and some life-changing kinds of affirmations, then they're nothing short of amazing. Do check them out. Tsepo, welcome to the NDL show and thank you so much for joining us today we do have a lot of social commentary to get through how are you i'm doing so well ndl i'm so excited to be here thank you so much for having me a few months ago <laughs> i would have never believed that i would be guest co-hosting on the ndl show like i listened what? to you and now here i am what do you mean guys <laughs> what do you mean you heard so many amazing shows i mean daring media is so amazing i am honored to have you on the show honestly so how are you feeling about 2021 we had a young preview of what it's like to live in a pandemic so how are you feeling about this year Tepo? Listen, I feel like we walked through the valley of death. So um, for me personally, I just am ready to come into 2021 with a new perspective, having grown and learned so much from 2021, recognizing where I could have done better and also appreciating my victories. So I just feel like in 2021, I'm excited to take it as it comes and also be better at embracing uncertainty because uncertainty, like in Shapilov site last year, yeah. and <laughs> now I feel like I'm a little bit ready for not 
knowing what's going to happen and finding some sort of presence in that. That's beautiful. And I resonate with that because last year put so many of us in uncomfortable positions and we had no other choice but to grow through it. For me in 2021, I have no memo. I have made no resolutions thus far because last year proved more than anything that things will change right now. So I just want to keep it on the safe side, you know. We should we should like maybe lay low on the planning for specific events or specific achievements and mm. rather set in intentions about like the values that you want to live in because those are more attainable in the everyday living and, and yeah. there's some and there's some certainty we can find in maybe setting values as our intentions and goals and this is why our esteemed listener needs to check your podcasts out because they really do validate and help with setting specific vocations so tapo listen man there's a tweet that caught my interest it says you need to cut off friends who are not progressing and someone further went on to comment saying single friends tend to be toxic when you're in a stable relationship it's crazy and this person said if we're going to be friends then we should be on the same maturity level what are your thoughts <laughs> it's funny that we have this conversation again because it happened before when we were talking about friends aligning with our brands on yeah. the TL a while back <laughs> yeah and um wow it's quite a thing to say i think more than anything we have to have friends that are uh, helping us grow and we can help them grow. Friendship has to be kind of some sort of mutual mutually beneficial engagement from my perspective. So I just feel like I can understand what the person is trying to say, but there's a way to go about it. You know, mm. someone can might not be at the same level as you, but that does not mean that you cut them off. You, you you could be someone that is very beneficial to them and help them grow or like they can find some sort of inspiration in you. And I feel like we look for different things in friends, you know. So yeah. like if you're looking for friends to just to help you network and friends that are specifically intended to help you grow your career, then someone who is not aligned with helping you grow your career is not good for that purpose. but yeah. sometimes you have your friend to be there for you in an emotional capacity and that person could be doing something in a completely different industry or even be unemployed but the support they give you is beyond that it's not about their employment but it's about the emotional consistency that they give to you mm. um so i just feel like we have to know what we need our friends for and not limited to some sort of capitalistic understanding of the world that they have to be earning a certain amount of money or they have to be living in a certain house or stuff like that. I feel like it's a little bit childish even to think yeah. that that's how you're going to value your friends. I don't know. What do you think about this? I really like that you mentioned the capitalist aspect because I do think that's what is attached to this tweet. I mean, I think it's crazy to think of friends in that light and not even try to understand their situations. You know, I have friends and we all go through our things, you know, we have our different seasons, and I just can't imagine cutting off my friends just because I'm in a relationship and you know they're single. and that's supposed to constitute as a maturity level i don't know i don't know but i do hear you on having people who help you grow and being selective about those around you but otherwise i think it's a very political statement what does it even mean i don't know <laughs> i don't even know <laughs> yeah i feel like at the end of the day don't have people around you who are giving you toxic energy or you feel yeah. like you are unable to express yourself fully and vulnerably i feel mm. like for me that is that is the line if if i feel like my energy is trapped or limited when i'm around your space then for sure i don't want you in my space but if i feel like when i am with you i am seen i am heard i am supported 
whatever you do in your life builds on that. It, it mm-hmm. only makes our friendship stronger because I feel like I can see you for who you are and you can see me for who I am. Yeah. And that is all we need. And from there, let's groove. I hear you fully and completely. It's the only way. So we've been seeing a number of women speak about their experiences of chasing after fathers who do not want to be present in their children's lives, right? And I remember this one tweet where this lady mentioned the deadbeat. And when you went onto his profile, he was just acting like her claims were unfounded and just continued to be unfazed, you know, living his best life. And I just want to find out from you, what do you think about these deadbeat fathers who purposefully avoid being part of their children's lives while they're living comfortably? This is yet another South African pandemic. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and you know what I find interesting? I feel like we're going to see a little bit more of this in our generation as we like become more parents, as as we become adults. Because yeah. we see, I watch um, a show on Mzanzi Magic called Date My Family. find it hilarious. Right. And <laughs> I always hear um, the contestants or the hopefuls on there be like, well, as I, at least they have, if they have one child, then I'm okay with it. So mm. we, we, all of us in our generation dating right now have this understanding that whoever we're going to date, chances are that they already have a child. Yeah. And if they are in the dating pool, that means that their, the, their partner, the father, the mother of their child is not in the picture. Mm. So there's this already mentality of like, yeah, there are a lot of single parents out there, which means another the half of the parent partnership is absent so i'm quite nervous and excited to see how as a generation we redefine parenthood Mm -hmm. and i want to take my answer from there redefining parenthood and i think that's where we need to start um understanding that nuclear families are kind of like very 2003 let's let that go (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah mom dad two kids it's very different. And I feel like we need to start redefining what that means for us. And I feel like for fathers as well, redefine that what does it, what does fatherhood mean to you in an age where you don't live in the same house as your child? Mm. Um, and I think there is hope. I, I want to be hopeful. I want uh-huh. to be hopeful. I think that the people who are not being there, who are intentionally trying to like take away their responsibility or not even recognize their responsibility, they're, Hopefully few and far between. No, I want to be hopeful. I know a lot of people are like, no, Tebo, no, uh, they're not there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think I'm the one who isn't entirely sure. I'm not sure, you know, as a woman, we are always harshly criticized by society for being single mothers. You know, when it comes to men, on the other hand, they get off scot-free. You know, their reputations are not compromised even a bit, as if it's not hard enough being a woman who is pregnant and not married in society. It's worse when the man has actively decided that they don't want to be a part of it. I think, I think it's selfish. And I'm all for not forcing relationships, but living comfortably, knowing that there's a whole body, an entire human being, who you brought into this world and you don't care to know about them. You don't care how they survive the day. You know, we have so many issues already. Why would you agree to be part of the problem when children grow up? I do, however, agree that we do need to let go of the traditional ideas of family. But yo, maybe you should write a book about redefining parenthood because clearly we need help. 
if anything, I'm more passionate about redefining masculinity. And I feel like mm. understanding that in a different way will better inform how fathers parent. Mm. Because a lot of it is in this ideology of masculinity has to exist in a certain way. And one, yeah. of, one of those aspects being to provide and to provide while being there, you know? Yeah. So I think while we understand that we can still provide and not even just financially, but through care and love, mm. um, and be consistent in that and understanding that as a part of our masculinity does it changes everything we, we we're not we're not stuck in this limited um old school idea of what men need and should be for the mother guys come after his bag don't don't try and change him and teach him because they're not going to grow if they're not ready to grow so yeah. you must just like go to the courts, come after his bag and get your court orders and get that debit order done on his account so that the money can at least come in and that financially he can support you. Yeah. And the emotional thing, love your child and let your child also be loved by your parents and your friends. Like mm. love can come in so many different ways. And the one aspect coming from the father doesn't have to deprive your child of love. Amen. Now, Tapo, the passing of an allegedly corrupt minister generated a lot of anger on Twitter, particularly with many people wishing death upon corrupt officials. To be honest, for me, those reactions, they were a lot, okay? And listen, I know and understand the degree to which the selfish decisions of these politicians have severely impacted the majority of South Africans, with many people being affected and even dying in the townships and rural areas. You know, the poor black body, including the working class, has suffered so severely under greedy politicians. Now, I want to find out from you what you think the price of corruption should be. On my side, I don't wish death on them, but I wish they could be severely, severely and unforgivingly punished through incarceration. Unforgivingly so. What do you think? <laughs> I was shooketh. Like, guys, the people were, people were naming the politicians by name that they wanted to die. I was like, um, you know, I think when there, there are two parts to situations in general from my perspective there is the manifestation that we see something that takes physical form but then there's also the what creates it something that 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 um behind the men of what manifests what we get to see right so mm. sometimes what manifests is quite toxic and we we are quick to judge it and say oh how can people say such a thing about politicians how could yeah. how dare you wish death upon people but that's only what manifests why are people doing that is really what we need to engage with mm. And that is that speaks to the frustration of South Africans. We have been having the corruption conversation for a long time. I mean, yeah. how long has the state capture inquiry been going for? Mm. And we are seeing this every day. The newspapers are telling us, the timeline is telling us, television is telling us. So South Africans are very, very frustrated. And having lived through 2020 with 500 billion rands, I think it just speaks to the frustration of South Africans. And mm. at this moment, we are like, the criminal justice system is not doing anything. I mean, we know that the money is gone from last year. Where are the charge sheets? Where are the politicians who are being charged for what happened last year? Mm. So I can see then how they can be like, screw everything else. I guess death is the way out. Yeah. You know? yeah. um, and very drastic, very intense, but the why is what informs it. There, there has to be a better system of accountability. And I don't even know if there's a better system than accountability than this um, quote-unquote amazing democratic system we have. Yeah. But we have to somehow hold our government accountable. And mm. we have seen time and time again that the governing 
party is not big on accountability. Yeah, definitely. What do we do about that? What do, what are we going to choose to do about that in the election year? That is mm. my question to the listener. Yeah, I just think death is too easy. It's too easy for what these corrupt officials have done to us. You know, the people who have trusted them not to gamble with our livelihoods. And they have, you know, as idealistic as it is, I manifest severe incarceration. Remember that our politicians are not politicians by trade. Mm. <laughs> they were freedom fighters. Yeah. And they, they, did a, they, they, they were from those townships. And then they were given a country politically. And given such political opportunities, how does the psychology of one change from freedom fighter to a politician? Hmm. And did we kind of expect too much for that to happen? Interesting. And I hope that you're letting us know what you think as you're listening to these conversations we're having. I'm really interested in what the listener has to say regarding this commentary. I think that that's a very potent question. And while mentioning where these now corrupt officials come from, this year's the year for voting. And I want to know whether you think we will inherit the legacy of corruption or that we will serve transparently when it's our time to occupy the offices. Big question, Mm. but I appreciate it. (laughs) I have seen a lot of young leaders and I have been in spaces of young leadership. Mm. I mean, I lived through, I I say this like I'm a revolutionist, you know, I lived through (laughs) the fees must fall protests. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I lived through the reference list protest and the rape culture protests and from there I was I had the privilege of being a part of robust debates and conversations with a lot of young leaders from across the country and I have seen the level of consciousness that young people have in relation to South African issues deeply Mm -hmm. rooted South African issues but also in the global context and from that space I can say I have a lot more hope in leaders to come. Mm. I have seen it. I have seen how people speak and I've seen how people critically engage with spaces that they are in. I have seen black people. I've seen women of color. I have seen Mm. people from across all walks of South African experiences. Mm. So I, I, I want to have faith and believe that once these people our peers get the opportunity to be in positions of power, we will have a different, a a rather elevated conversation than the conversations that are having right now. That, that, That gives us a different perspective. And from that, I feel like there is hope that, that we would be, that we will be different. And mm. I know we will. That's not even a hope. I know we'll be different. I'm going to be a part of it, guys. So we mm. got this. <laughs> oh, wow. What do you Thank think? Do you, you feel like, do you have hope in the youth? Do the kids got this? Yeah. You know, the thing is, I have hope, right? I do have hope. But I wonder whether if an official was presented with an easy five million in exchange for something simple like using a bank account of a said company and that official at that moment was struggling. According to human nature, would they not do what's best for them and their families? Is it possible to really reject what looks like a blessing? Money is power. You know, power is money. I just feel that the legacy of corruption is so easy to inherit because of our struggles. While we were still going to school, a white student boldly He unapologetically said during a tutorial that black people inherit poverty the same way that they, white people, inherit their wealth. And how do you not want to change that when an opportunity arises? I think where the deep root comes from is Mm. from a culture of scarcity rather than a culture of abundance. 
when you have lived not having had, you know that whatever little piece that you do get, we have to take and yeah. we have to keep it with us because we don't know that one, once this is gone, when am I going to get again? Exactly. And that was a whole culture of, of the black experience yeah. for many generations. You know, um, mm. we, we inheriting generational trauma of scarcity. Yo. Yes. Um, and now when there is so much to be had, when we start to realize that actually everything can be had, but when that person still has a culture of scarcity, they're still going to just take for themselves. Yeah. Whereas I think hopefully we will come from a better perspective of everything is already here to be ours. So mm. there is no need for me to take it for myself. Yeah. It is actually better if I share it with my community because mm. then it, up, it, up, it uplifts all of us. I, have, I haven't met everyone in South Africa, but I have <laughs> met enough young leaders in leadership positions mm. that are from a culture of abundance and not hoarding for themselves. Mm. And as we conclude, I want to revisit a period during the reign of the apartheid regime. Voter Besson, a cardiologist who has been found to be working for MediClinic, was accused of creating drugs, medicines and toxins specifically to kill black people during apartheid, right? It is said that during that era, the uprisings were too much to handle and he was set to be the mastermind behind diminishing the black population. He's still thriving to this day. To this day, he is not in jail, not one criminal record in sight against his name. He's basically thriving in South Africa, right? Now, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was birthed as a means to help South Africans deal with the traumas created by the racist government and create closure, in essence, for those families. I want to know whether you think that the TRC was an efficient model in helping us move forward as a country as opposed to incarcerating people who have killed and committed atrocious crimes against black bodies whose families to this day may struggle to cope with those events. Another big one, another big we, we might be solving those problems of the land in this podcast. <laughs> <What> you, <mean? laughs> you know, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, oof. I think Nelly M, for one, has been getting a lot of grief for, <laughs> <laughs> for how he decided to go about the new age of South Africa. Yeah. And I have quite a few thoughts about this. Okay, let me, let me gather my thoughts here <laughs> and start from the liberation of South Africa itself and how we transitioned, right? Mm. We have to remember that by the time Nelson Mandela became president in 1994, he had been sitting in meetings since the late 80s with, with, with the colonizer, with the oppressor, right. negotiating terms of how we are going to take back what is ours. And on the other side, there is the ANC, which is kind of, there's a wing of the ANC that is shook that this is even happening because they're right. like, no, 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 no. We're going to take this country by fire, by force. Yeah. We will liberate this country with tires and matches mm. if we need to, right? And, mm. th and that is how any revolution is meant to be happening. Yeah. However, at this time, Nelly M's br international brand as well is very much Martin Luther King aligned sure. and this this peaceful kumbaya revival yeah, that yeah. we're trying to get mm. to yeah the new south africa to be so then the elections happen and south africa is politically given to people of color yeah we are still carrying on having these negotiations having come to an agreement 
Another thing we have to note about the negotiation, there is no negotiation where there are different power dynamics. Mm. Mm, 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 there is mm. no way there was Kikupa no way volume. Before. Can I please have volume? <laughs> <laughs> there was. Oh. It was no way possible for yeah. us to get out of there, being equal, getting equal mm. or more, because we didn't go in as equal. If anyone negotiates a contract, you know that you're mm. not. If if an employee is going to negotiate with an employer, the employer is already playing hardball. Yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> that's so why. True. That's why the employee usually needs a representative yeah. who is maybe at a higher understanding or engagement with that space. Mm. So mm. the truth and reconciliation then becomes an extension of already this nearly M branding mm. of of Kumbayari. So what one of the things that we also gave up within the negotiation was our right to see justice being done. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What was meant to ha- what 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 was the out- what was the outcome going to be? Mm. What what was the best what was the best possible outcome out of the truth and reconciliation? <laughs> whatever it Question. is, whatever you think it is, it would have never been what it should be. Yeah. Because that should have never been the context in the first place. Amen. However, from from the global perspective, from mm-hmm. wh- what South Africa needs to say to the rest of the world, which is usually underlined by capitalistic interest and economic interests, right. which, let us note, still belonged to white monopoly capital. We had to protect those interests. Yeah. And therefore, justice, quote unquote, had to be done in that limited way. Yeah. Definitely. Where we are today, we are taking off the scabs. What do you listen to the scab? The, 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 what do you call those things that you put on a, on a saw, like um, last of last, baby done? Yes, you're not ill. <laughs> that, you know, the cause, <laughs> the cause, the cause. We're, we're taking them off and seeing that the wounds never healed yeah. because no one actually attended to the wounds. Yeah. And for the past 25 years, we grew up thinking that the wounds were being attended to. And now yeah. we're coming into these spaces and seeing Bobason still thriving. Exactly. We're seeing White Monopoly Capital buying the double story, triple story houses and being like, guys, what happened? Yeah. Desmond, Nelly. Oh, you know, Archbishop, man of God, Bawo. You know, I resonate with that because we were just forced to move on and we're still struggling with those wounds. Tepo, thank you so much for coming on to the NDL show and imparting such insightful perspectives you have left me with a lot to think about. Thank you for making time for us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blessing and an honor. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be speaking to you on your platform. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so excited to see what you do in 2021 and also to grow alongside you in this podcasting community. That was Tepo Manche, an amazing podcaster. Really honored to know him and actually have him on the show. You can follow him on Insta and Twitter at Tepo Manche. Be sure to check out Daring Media as well. And while you're here, don't hesitate to let us know how you feel about today's commentary and show thus far. We want to engage with you and not just have you passively listening, right? We want to know about what you think. Where is your head right now regarding the commentary that we just discussed? We are at the NDL show on the socials. This past year has been very traumatic for many of us. We have lost so many of our loved ones and also experienced so many other painful events such as losing jobs, losing our businesses, losing houses. 
we've gone through a lot, a lot of traumatic experiences just in the past year. And this is not even speaking about the traumatic experiences we've experienced before the pandemic, you know. And after the break, we talk to Claire Gemmel, who will help us understand how to deal with our traumas through a therapy known as tension and trauma relieving exercises. Don't go anywhere. I don't care a damn, no matter what. A lovely thing about Christmas is that it is a compulsory, like a thunderstorm, and we all go through it together. Thank you for staying tuned. Now joining us on our main segment to have a very integral conversation as we embark on this new year is wellness practitioner Claire Gemmel. She is invested in creating spaces that are safe enough to encourage healing from trauma. As it stands, we are at a stage where the virus has accelerated many traumas for many people. And as we move forward, it has become clear that it is important to allow ourselves to heal from the traumas we experienced. Even the traumas that we hold ourselves accountable for and to help us understand how we can deal with trauma, Claire will be giving us insight into a therapy known as tension and trauma releasing exercises, also known as TRE in short. Claire, welcome and thank you so much for joining us on the NDL show. Thank you so much for having me, Nandu. It's great to be here. Definitely. Now, before we get into it, mental health is something that has only recently started to gain interest. For many years, people's mental health was not and has not been prioritized, and to an extent, it has in turn generated and recycled a trauma, which can be so severe to the point where our brains block out that trauma to help us cope. Sometimes we're even in denial and or unaware that we are experiencing trauma, as well as the extremities of it. Claire, could you break down what trauma is and how it can affect a person? How does it look like? Yeah, so trauma can be felt and experienced in different ways. You know, there's an emotional trauma, there are physical traumas, there's psychological traumas. Um, So trauma defined is really a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. And then it is then the emotional response and the impacts thereafter that we go through. So if we think of, you know, when when people hear trauma, they think like big, big, big stuff, Um, like an accident, a car accident or sexual violence or violence of any kind that's physical trauma to the body. There's also emotional trauma, right? So going through a breakup or a divorce, whether you are the child of parents who are going through divorce, the child will experience that trauma in a certain way mm-hmm. and in, in, integrate that into their body in a certain way. Um, whether you are the adult going through that emotional trauma, the divorce or the breakup, um, mm-hmm. grieving, you know, the loss of a loved one, as well as, um, you know, being retrenched. I know that a lot of people in the pandemic were losing their jobs and that's a huge, you know, a psychological trauma. Now there's financial bereavement and how do we move through and respond respond to those situations that are quite deeply disturbing to us. You know, trauma is something that we live with on a daily basis and the impacts thereof. And I do feel, you know, particularly in South Africa, I'm coming from Canada, I'm Canadian. So I moved here in 2012 and I had some like big major (laughs) traumas that really shocked me. And what was also shocking was 
the response that I got from others when, you know, seeking emergency support or sharing it with friends or family, you know, I think so often in South Africa, there's the response when you share something, the other person starts going into their experience or their story. Or, I heard this, you know, it's a, it's a normalized part of society, but it's a very abnormal experience to, to live through and to, to cope with. Yeah, thank you so much for mentioning that because we often think of trauma as something huge, right? This big event. And this perception has been so normalized that we haven't given attention to what looks like a small traumatic event. And also just touching on that, as humans, we learn from our own experiences. And how did your experiences lead you to encounter this type of therapy? Absolutely. Thanks for asking that question. It's it's the reason why I found TRE. It's the reason why I'm a practitioner today. So um, I had an experience in South Africa. Um, I was hijacked in a taxi, in a quantum, and that was deeply traumatic for me. Um, I was with a friend at the time and um, yeah, we, we just had this experience and this event really, really shook us, you know, even... You know, I remember going to the police station and and the police officers telling us that we were lucky because, you know, what happens to women in this country. And that was also traumatic, you know, and for my friend and I, we come from different backgrounds and different experiences. And the thing about trauma is that it triggers past traumas. Right. So one event can open up and uncover things that you have been coping with, dealing with, living with throughout your life, some that you know about and some that you don't know about. So I was actually very, very fortunate. My boss at the time, um, and actually the landlord where I was staying, they both kind of were supportive and saying like, look, you should, you know, get some support for this. They could see I was shook and it wasn't something that I had ever been exposed to. And so he, my boss gave me the number of a trauma counselor and she specifically dealt with trauma, which is, I think it's important to understand more and more a trauma-informed approach. Mm -hmm. And a lot of therapy is now understanding that having that trauma-informed lens is very important in the healing process. So she was specifically trained in dealing with trauma Mm -hmm. and I started going to therapy. I started seeking support for this because I could feel something in my body you know it was I had emotional responses I was angry I had some PTSD you know the daily going to work was difficult waking up was difficult Mm. so I could feel a, a big switch and shift in how I was responding to the world after having this experience and living with the emotions that felt stuck inside of me as a result of this it was an emotional and a mental support that was needed as much as a physical and I could feel there was this physical thing in me that you know it needed to be released and as the universe would have it I was walking by a building on my way home from work and there was a sign outside that said trauma intention releasing exercises and I thought that is so interesting and specific Mm. so I went in and I I learned more about it and I went for a session and they were group sessions it was a very different experience to anything I've ever felt before and the more I learned about it um, and we can talk more about what it is the more interested and intrigued I was about wow you know our bodies hold all of this wisdom and we walk around you know our lives so much in our minds you know 90% of the time we're thinking but our body is also speaking to us and sending us messages constantly so that was just a really new uh, way of being for me. 
Sure, I'm so sorry about your traumatic experience. It's crazy how normalized it is, you know, and the way that you manage to actualize your healing is something to note. Because as much as we might feel and try to listen to our bodies, there are times when, you know, we we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear our pain. We don't want to give attention to the traumatic experiences that we go through because that makes them true, especially as a woman. We're just expected to move on, you know, and I just want to thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Claire, could you walk us through the moment after seeing this board, you know, highlighting this therapy? What was the process like? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad that you brought up the experience of women in South Africa. And there's so many intersections of our identity that oh, wow. allow us to access support or not. And there's so many reasons that we have to just move on. Mm. And I was particularly in a privileged position to be able to afford that support and, and be supported in getting support, you know, and having my, my circle recognize that I needed that. And I know that in so many spaces and communities, mm. uh, this stuff is not talked about, you know, it's not spoken about, it's dismissed, it's, it's ignored. So absolutely recognizing that that was a very big part of my journey was being encouraged to get support. Yeah, so thank you for mentioning that. No, that's so important. And I hope that that's why these conversations are, you know, hopefully becoming more readily available and talked about so that it is becoming more normalized. Um, but yeah, back to your question about, you know, going through the TRE process. So TRE basically, it's a somatic experience. Somatic is a type of therapy that works with the body and, and the messages and the, the wisdom of the body. So obviously you have talk therapy, uh, which is probably the most commonly you know, known about form of support where you go in and you talk to a therapist mm -hmm. um, and they have the tools to walk you through and guide you through those conversations and, and reach those points of awareness. But I do wanna also say that um, you know, we reach out for support when we're ready as well, right? Yeah. So I felt yeah. this alarming need um, and I couldn't ignore it. And so going into TRE, you know, you go in and they'll give you an information session. They'll talk with you about what it is and how it works. And then there is a practitioner that guides you through the stretches. They're very simple stretches. Mm -hmm. and, and then they will work with you and guide you to be able to release on your own. And it works with the natural uh, design of the body. So we have a psoas muscle, which is deeply embedded in our core. So it's, you know, in our pelvis, and it runs up our spine and down through our thighs, it's quite a large muscle in the body. And that muscle is responsible for our fight and flight response, which is the built in uh, human response to trauma, right? So if there's bomb going off outside to so have an extreme example, regardless of where you were, you know, born or raised or what culture or community you're in, we would all kind of cover our heads and go into that kind of fetal position. Mm. And that's the psoas muscle, which is responsible for that fight and flight. It's the protection of the body. And so it's a bit technical and, and physiological the way that it works. And obviously the best way to experience it is to try it, mm. but how it supports, how TRE supports you is through releasing adrenaline. So when we go into that fight and flight, mm -hmm. the psoas muscle in our body tightens and it sends a signal up through the spine into the brain that we are in danger and we need adrenaline to try to get through the moment, to try to get through the danger and get to safety. 
And this is the same for all human beings. It's also the same for animals. And what's meant to happen after we go through that trauma and that adrenaline rushes through us is we are meant to shake and tremor and shake out the stress. So if you've ever been in a stressful situation or a heated argument or you know, super excited or nervous for a presentation, you feel kind of your hands start shaking. Yeah. That's the tremoring that our body is trying to release the adrenaline. Animals still do this in the wild, so they'll still go into shaking if they get away from prey. Mm-hmm. And then their nervous system is back to a baseline. Human beings, however, have evolved to suppress that shaking. Culturally and socially, if you see someone shaking on the street, you're going to think something's not okay with them. So mm. as a society, we, we hold that in. And what that does is that means that we're not releasing the adrenaline and these toxins are running through our body all the time. And when this stress and trauma is built up over time, you know, we're in a constant state of fight and flight. We're in constant survival mode, which is very, very unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and it's really toxic for the body. So back to TRE, it helps you to tap into that tremoring and release the adrenaline and shake it out. Um, and you're literally just shaking and you don't have to think about it. <laughs> you know, your brain can do whatever, take a little break and your body does its thing. That's pretty much how TRE works. It is a lot of information. You don't have to remember it all. It's really the experience of feeling what it feels like once you've released that uh, adrenaline. There's a sense of calm that comes over you and your nervous system just being, you know, really balanced out. Obviously, you have to do this over a particular period of time to really allow the psoas muscle to to stretch out and not go back into fight and flight constantly. Mm, And I'm so grateful that you mentioned how many of us carry years of trauma with us, both known and unknown trauma, you know, that we're not aware of. And it's crazy now that you're saying it, you know, we are constantly on self-defense mode and we're always leaving our homes, hoping that we'll come back because it's such a fight just to stay alive, to stay breathing and well, you know, but you have come from that journey. And now that you've experienced it, apart from talk therapy, you also mentioned that TRE involves physical exercises. Could you paint a picture for us what the exercises look like? What are they? What do they involve? Yes. So it's a, it's a series of six stretches. And what these stretches do is they kind of tire out the psoas muscle um, so that when you go onto you know, a yoga mat onto the floor, into the position to invoke the tremors, your psoas muscle is able to start releasing. And it starts in the psoas muscle, but eventually it will the, the tremoring will work your way through its through your body. Mm. It's a physical release as well as an emotional release, right? So sometimes, you know, there's different ways of releasing stress and trauma. There's laughter, mm. which comes from that diaphragm, you know, those deep belly laughs. There's yeah. crying, there's screaming. So these are all of the ways that stress and adrenaline try to leave our body when we are not in that space where we can tremor or safely, you know, release the trauma. So yeah, it's, it's an emotional and a physical release and you, there, there's no specific, you know, it, it's not like you're saying, okay, I want to release this trauma today. And then you shake and you release it. It doesn't work that way. It's the body's own way of knowing what it needs and where the tremors need to go to relieve that tension. And it's also good for relieving physical tension, right? Back pain, headaches, as well as things like depression, anxiety, sleeplessness. It helps with a lot of the 
the symptoms of, of stress and trauma when we're not able to, to cope and release them. Thank you so much for mentioning that. You know, the way our cultures are set up, many of us grow up in households where talk therapy is discouraged. So I'm grateful to hear that there is a loophole through which we can deal with our traumas in a physical sense, you know. And Claire, for the majority of people who do not have access to therapy and particularly TRE, how would you suggest that we confront our traumas to experience a fulfilling life? I mean, most of the time it takes a lot for one to realize that they actually need to go to therapy, you know. How can we get to that space of acceptance and wanting to rid ourselves of our traumas? Absolutely. It's such a good question. And it's such a tough question because I think that as unique as we are as as humans and individuals, um, we experience stress and trauma. And I say stress often because stress and trauma are on the same continuum. So they have the body responds the same way. I think that we deal with things so differently and we interpret things so differently. Mm-hmm. So the support that we need is, is very unique to us, right? I think the first step that I can offer is awareness. Um, mm-hmm. So often we, we carry things, as you've mentioned, we carry so much mm-hmm. of a load. And I think that at different points in our life, we are ready to kind of unpack that load one bit at a time. Mm. Sometimes there's a situation like in my experience where there was a very big, (laughs) big event that happened that forced me to confront that load. And I think other times it's just people going through life and and having to cope, you know? And I think that having the awareness of this is how I'm feeling, these patterns keep emerging for me, right? Because so often trauma will continue to present itself until we're ready to deal with it, right? So when we start seeing patterns in our lives, uh, wondering why certain things keep happening, or also noticing how we respond to situations similarly, mm-hmm. um, having that awareness, I think, is the first step because you cannot reach out for support if you're not ready. There's a very specific uh, willingness and readiness that one has to have before they're able to say like, okay, I'm ready to confront this. Mm. So first and foremost is having the awareness that support is needed. And then I would say to start just looking around. I know so often these, these trauma therapies and support for, for trauma or stress or just therapy and support in general Mm -hmm. um, is stigmatized. Reaching out can be very stigmatized. So I would say if you have somebody that you can confide in and saying, you know, I really need support, I'm dealing with this and, you know, this is what I think I need. And maybe having somebody who can help you find something that would suit you, find something that's readily accessible in your community. I know there are a lot of social workers and communities. Um, Sometimes that's difficult because they're connected to friends and family. So there are a lot of organizations and support groups online. I know there's a, a group, a South African depression an anxiety group. So they're really good. There's a lot of, I think the one silver lining with the pandemic as hard as it's been is that there's a lot of people coming forward and saying, um, you know, I'll work, you know, with people at discounted rates or just making their services known, making their services available to people. So just having a look around your community, talking to some friends, doing a little bit of a research online and seeing what's available, finding something that resonates with you, finding something that you connect with. Mm. Um, Also just to say that sometimes you'll go to a therapist and, and you don't connect with them and that's okay. It's important to find, just like with a doctor, it's important to find somebody that you are comfortable with, you feel safe with, um, because that relationship is ultimately 
what's going to repair and be part of the healing process mm. as that safety that you build with that practitioner or that therapist or doctor. Yeah. So it's very important to have somebody that you trust and feel safe with. I hope that while you're listening to this at home, wherever you are, that you're internalizing this because we are going through a lot. Okay, we're going through a lot. Now, Claire, how has this therapy been beneficial to you as an individual? We always hear people encouraging this notion of going to therapy, but we never really hear the post-therapy experience. Have you been able to breathe since? What was the post-therapy experience like for you? Absolutely. Um, TRE has definitely been incredibly life-changing for me. Um, I honestly can say that I don't know who I would be now having not done and gone through that process. Also, the training was really deep and special and helped me to continue my healing journey. It's not changed anything in the world around me, but it's changed absolutely 100% how I respond to the world around me. So... The stresses of life continue, but the way that I'm able to manage and cope and find resources that are beneficial for me and healthy and respond in in different ways. You know, I used to walk home from work, grab a bottle of wine, and that was my evening. And the moment I started training as a practitioner, I was still in the same job. I was still doing the same work. I still had the same stress, but I really didn't feel the need to go and reach for the wine, um, which was a resource that was available to me at the time, which is, I think, a very common experience. Yeah. Um, we, we, we reach for the resources that are available. We reach for what we need to survive, and there's no shame or blame in that. Um, but with TRE, I was able to replace that support with another support. Mm. And so it offered me just different tools, different resources. I was able to breathe. I was able to cope. I had space in my body to breathe, you know? Mm. I don't know if you've ever felt stressed for a long period of time and, you know, you kind of realize at one point, like, oh my God, I feel like I'm holding my breath. Like I can't yeah. breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, TRE allowed me to really breathe out and give me space, give me um, a groundedness. So it, it, it fundamentally supports your nervous system to come down to what we call homeostasis, which is really in a very restful position where it's able to go through an experience, have that experience, and then come back down and rest. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we are constantly in fight and flight and stress, there's no rest. Yeah. We're constantly in survival mode, which is why we're tired. So it gave me a more balanced life, I would say. You know, I resonate so much because there are moments where I myself have been in so many stressful situations that it felt like I was holding my breath for a whole three months. And that's a long time. You know, it's always comforting to know what people's experience of therapy is like, because we don't want to try something only to find out that actually it's not really helping. So it's reassuring to hear you speak on it. And just touching on this reality of trauma, you know, the coronavirus has triggered a lot of trauma for a lot of people. You know, some people find themselves experiencing survivor's guilt, you know, and they carry that trauma because they may have unintentionally spread the virus to their loved ones who ultimately might not have survived it. As a wellness practitioner, what would you suggest is the best way to work through that kind of survivor's guilt and trauma and to learn to forgive oneself? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. What a beautiful question. And I think it's, it's something that, oh, you know, we're all doing the best that we can. We all have ways of coping and managing stress. We all have things that we need. And I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, I was, I was 
having my own experience being, you know, triggered by different things. And I got to a point where I said, you know, Claire, just give yourself grace, give yourself grace, give others grace. We're all doing the best that we can in a very, very, very difficult experience and situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, None of us have ever done this before. And that's a process in itself, right? So if you're able to to talk to someone, if you do feel like this is a, a, a disturbing experience for you and you're overcome and you know, you're overwhelmed with the feeling, mm. if there is somebody that you can talk to, whether professional or a friend that you can confide in, if you aren't able to talk to someone, I find journaling really supportive. That's really a cathartic experience for me anyway, mm. of just allowing the thoughts to be released Uh, you know, from the brain to get them out of that cycle of just repetition in in my mind. Take your time, take your time and be gentle with yourself and and give yourself that grace. And as we conclude, you mentioned earlier how triggers can trigger other triggers. And people often say that you never really get over your triggers, you just learn to live with them. Would you say that rings true as someone who has experienced this therapy? Or is it possible to get over your triggers? Mm, I think we definitely can get over and move through our triggers. I think, again, going back to that awareness being the first step, um, you cannot change anything that you don't know about, right? We, we don't know what we don't know, in other words. And, and so being aware of that trigger is step one. And then there are different therapies that actually there's an exposure therapy that puts you in a safe situation with that trigger to work through it and be exposed to it and manage it and try to find a different way of responding so many of our triggers come from a fight and flight response where previously that the experience that we had with that trigger was unsafe and dangerous Mm -hmm. and threatening to us which is why we get triggered by it you know sometimes we have very old childhood wounds abandonment neglect and we feel triggered then in adult relationships when someone leaves us for example Um, but bringing that trigger to the surface and being aware of it and and working through why it's triggering you and what the wound is. When you go to the heart of the wound, you're able to heal the symptoms that come after that, if that makes sense. And Claire, what is the first step for people who want to embark on this journey towards releasing trauma and tension? What is the first step? Where can people access information about it? So there are websites for TRE. There's a global website called traumaprevention.com. And I'm sure you can put this in the description of the episode where people can go to learn more about what TRE is, how it works, um, questions that people often have, because it is kind of a foreign concept to think about. Um, and, And then you can also find providers in your area. There is also a TRE website for Africa, which is treforafrica.com. And that is also a space where you can find practitioners across South Africa Mm -hmm. um, in all of the provinces, I believe. Um, And it's important just to note that, you know, the exercises seem simple enough, but it is very important that you go to a practitioner that's been trained and certified Mm -hmm. um, because they're able to hold you. There's an extensive amount of training that's done Uh, to hold a person through their experience in a very grounded way. You know, in our training, we work with ourselves first. And then Mm. only once we're grounded, we then work with clients. So it's a very uh, important thing to note. And how about you? People have listened and heard you. And for those who may want to get that assistance from you specifically, are you available and practicing? So obviously the pandemic kind of threw a spanner in the works um, with being in physical space. 
some practitioners have moved their practice online um, and then others are finding safe ways of, you know, practicing all of the precaution measures and seeing clients. I am hoping to get back into that depending, you know, in the physical space, depending what happens next with the pandemic. You may contact me. I'll, I'll leave my email address with you. And I'm very open to people contacting me and yeah, asking about anything that I may have, might have spoken about or just finding out more about TRE. Sure. Thank you so much for coming on to the NDL show, Claire. We're going through so much as a people and it's great to have people who have experienced trauma come onto the show and speak about how therapy has helped. You have certainly reminded us that there are ways to breathe. Thank you so much for making time for us. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me, Nondu. I hope I, yeah, I might have just shed some light on, on some options and alternatives for people. That was Claire Gemmel, a wellness practitioner, giving us insight into a therapy known as tension and trauma relieving exercises. This kind of therapy involves stretch exercises that help you release trapped adrenaline and toxic defense mechanisms to allow you to breathe. Now, we hope that this will encourage you to take care of yourself, your mental health, your well-being. No survivor's guilt during a time like this is very rife with reason. But may you forgive yourself, forgive yourself so that you can live the life that you are destined to live, that you deserve, right? Now, I hope this was a breath of fresh air for you as we start the show on a good note, as we invite nothing but prosperity into our spaces, into our lives. Amen. So that sums up our first show of the year. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're interested in getting yourself a t-shirt, please do hit us up. If you want to let us know any perspective, any thought process, where are you right now? Let us know. We are at the NDL show on social media. We'll be very active on social media. There are many things that we need to ask you about. So please do look out for that. Otherwise, we leave you with an amazing artist. Her name is Noko. She released a three-part project titled Fruity. From my producer to Lani Sejo and I, this track is called Fruity. Catch you on the next one. I'm talking three, four, five, six zeros. All these laughs and slinks, only the hungry grow. I mean the ones that put that sauce on. Too many pools, too many blows. I'm so conflicted with you hoes. All is sinking on my surface, my future looking yellow. Hope playing 2000 when we no longer below If you wanna ride, catch me in the lane All my shit is tape, oh no you can't deny I'm going through some things, I'ma get my wings right Feels like I'm flying, flying higher than Gunjai I should be fruity, don't need your alibi Might not be shaking but you stirred All is sinking on my surface, my future looking yellow Six zeros, all these lessons, only the hungry.